Welcome to another Grief Talk Coffee Chat episode. I'm your host, Von Solis. So welcome to another Divine Healing Coaching Series with Von Solis. I am, of course, Von, uh, and I welcome you to this particular episode. Today, I'm going to be uh, talking about can we really die of a broken heart? Science now says, yes, we can. And though there was earlier research uh, on broken heart syndrome that I'm going to be talking about today that dates back to 1991, a recent study that was just published actually confirms the importance of emotions and how we process grief and loss. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you what science actually says about dying from a broken heart, the signs to look for if you think that you may have broken heart syndrome or symptoms that are similar to broken heart syndrome that are very similar to heart attack, but you would never even know that they are related to your grief. And that is exactly why I wanted to share this episode Uh, which I wrote a blog post on in 2019 to update on this topic, uh, but also all things we have as a uh, forewarning uh, can actually be prevented. I'm also going to be sharing with you what happened to me after I lost my daughter to suicide in 2005 and started experiencing some really uh, difficult symptoms in around uh, 2009 to 10. And I'll share with you what the doctors told me I had. So as I said, the idea of dying from a broken heart isn't new. Research does date back uh, to 1991. They have coined the term broken heart syndrome to diagnose and treat uh, what actually may be a broken heart. So what is broken heart syndrome? The symptoms appear suddenly, such as they would in a heart attack, and are shortness of breath, arrhythmia, and chest pain. Because they're really uh, so similar to uh, a heart attack, and let's face it, a lot of us don't even know when we are experiencing heart attack symptoms. In broken heart syndrome, researchers have identified that they are brought on by shock, stress, or an emotional event such as a loss and bereavement. So the medical term for broken heart syndrome is takasutbo cardiomyopathy. So the symptoms attack the heart muscle, leaving the left ventricle with a distinct shape and cause the heart to balloon, weaken, and contract abnormally. So there are real symptoms that doctors can attribute to broken heart syndrome. So while recovery is possible, depending on the severity of symptoms and or complications, you can actually die from it. So at the time that I gathered this information and did my blog post on it in 2019, the UK was reporting that uh, they had about 2,500 deaths a year related to broken heart syndrome, but that that number may be much greater given the folks that don't go and actually see a doctor ever or uh, do not get diagnosed for broken heart syndrome. Numbers around the world are very vague, especially on the internet, so there really isn't a lot of information available about broken heart syndrome. And that's actually probably, if you think about it, uh, if we don't talk about um, certain medical conditions 
or they don't appear uh, severe enough, you know, lots of people are being diagnosed with something kind of strange, let's research this, um, it really doesn't get the attention it deserves. And that's why things slip under the radar, especially for us in our grief. And so with the research that was done uh, earlier, the researchers did not know really what to attribute broken heart syndrome to, but they did believe it was uh, related to increased stress hormones in our body, in other words, adrenaline, that we experience after a shock or loss. So that's progress. So an interesting fact was also that this earlier research identified in brain scans of patients with broken heart syndrome that there was noticeably less communication in the brain between the region that is responsible for our emotions and the area of the brain that is responsible for our automatic responses or our unconscious responses, such as our beating heart uh, compared to normal brains. But because our emotions are processed in the brain, Doctors still have not been able to confirm whether broken heart syndrome originates in the brain or the heart. So they are hoping that cardiologists and neuroscientists can work together and do some research together so that they can um, really localize where the problem is existing. So fast forward to a study that has recently been published, inspired by the concept of dying from a broken heart, researchers have now been able to confirm that it is our emotional response to death and loss that plays a significant role in this concept, if you will, of dying from a broken heart. So how have they been able to identify this? So in this study that's just been released, they took 59 patients uh, who had had a loss within the last year, and they studied their responses to specific ideas of attachment and separation to their loved one who uh, had died and uh, measured their blood pressure. And they noticed that over the various questions that they asked and the responses of the study group, that the more intense uh, grief that was expressed, the higher the blood pressure went. And um, they've obviously tied blood pressure to cardiac events. So quite a connection. The point uh, of the study for these researchers, and I'm going to put a link to the actual article below, so if you want to read more about it, you can, was to provide doctors with um, information that they may be able to assess their patients uh, who are uh, in intense grief from a loss uh, and could be at risk for high blood pressure and potential uh, cardiac events. Whether they do it is another thing, but it's a start. And I'd also like to say, well, this is a no-brainer for those of us who have been or are in intense grief from losing our child, uh, losing our child to suicide, having another suicide uh, or traumatic loss. We know, or most of us would assume, that what we feel emotionally and what we're going through mentally has a huge impact on our physical body. And it's probably not a surprise to you that we really could have a broken heart uh, from a loss or the intensity of our grief. And even I'll say for how long we have been grieving. But it's another thing to have the medical world support this. 
So in the Western world, it's really important to remember that science needs to back up any evidence found uh, to treat and cure our ailments. And this totally relates to, you know, areas that uh, we struggle with, such as grief, that is so completely misunderstood and unsupported to a large degree by all of our communities in the Western world. And specifically, I'm going to talk here about North America. I have heard uh, uh, by talking to other people in the UK, in Europe, in Australia, even in South Africa, that they uh, experience relatively the same thing in terms of support and awareness and education and understanding of grief, similarly to how we do in North America. So in speaking um, just a little bit earlier about how uh, research has linked um, stress hormones and now emotions to um, high blood pressure, potential cardiac events. I think what's really important about the research is the fact that they're raising this topic again and reporting it uh, within the medical uh, community through their, their publications and really demonstrating to clinicians that this is real, folks. This is real. And I think that's a huge step forward. So what did I experience? It was really interesting. So I lost my daughter in 2005. And I struggled a little bit with what I needed to do to get myself sort of back uh, in the living world again. It took me uh, a couple of years, really. And I had to do this and I had to do that. And and if anybody is interested in that, um, I'll put a link to my books page because I outline all of that in my first book, Divine Healing, uh, that I published in 2011 and re-released it in 2018 as an ebook and across the states and globally, actually. And I literally laid out in the first 12 chapters everything I struggled with through um, emails I had kept that I was corresponding with a really, really uh, wonderful woman in the states at that time who had lost her son. And so I was able to go back over a five-year period and look at what I was feeling, what was bothering me. And then, of course, um, more objectively, um, by the, because it took me five years to publish this book, uh, what I was still struggling with. And then 2018, I was like, you know what? It's been a few years, 13 at that point. Let me take a look and see if I need to update any information. Sadly, no, but I did reduce the word count. So even today, as I look uh, at suicide boards and uh, other bereavement boards and work with people, I understand that the problems remain um, very significant for them, as significant today for you if you are in early, super, super early, like months into bereavement, or the first few years of your bereavement I guarantee that whatever you're going through, situations might be a little bit different, but what you're feeling emotionally and mentally and what you may be experiencing physically, millions of people are going through it too. And just because we don't talk about it as much as we need to and even are afraid to share our stories right? This makes it feel like whatever we're going through, we're going through it alone and it's really scary. And that's why community is just so, so important. And I'll also put a link to my recently released podcast episode that I did that speaks to death 
and culture and community around the world and what's missing in uh, North America. But meantime, going back to what I was experiencing, uh, so in 2009, I went back to work and I was commuting uh, from the country. I lived in the country, commuting an hour and 15 minutes to work. And anyway, I started experiencing chest pains. I had like what felt like millions of glass fragments in and around my heart area, my entire chest, shortness of breath. It was so bad that when I would have sort of more intense periods of feeling uh, these symptoms, I couldn't walk. I would have to lie down or sit in my chair or wherever I was, stall my movement. I do remember specifically one time walking to uh, go to the bank on my lunch hour from my job, which was a few blocks. And I literally had to take my pace of walking uh, where I just about needed to be in a wheelchair. And um, I was terrified that I was going to have a full-blown heart attack at any moment. And I just didn't know what was wrong with me. So there was a clinic about a block or two from the office. And so one day I decided I'm going, I'm just going. And so I went there a couple of times, did a drop in, met with a couple of different doctors. And while they did not know what was going on with me, they did ask me, if you had like any sort of traumatic or unexpected life event recently? And when I said, yeah, well, um, my daughter died by suicide in 2005. So we're talking, you know, four years earlier. And they go, okay, well, that makes sense. And then they both diagnosed me with stress. And there was no um, really treatment for it because they didn't really know how to deal with stress from the loss of a child. On a positive note, they really appreciated my honesty with them and learning about my experience. Anyway, I had to learn to manage that on my own. And when I finally got diagnosed in 2014, so about almost 10 years after my daughter died with PTSD, I was able to put all the pieces together and understanding what the trauma had been doing to me, even further to what I was just experiencing emotionally and mentally in trying to keep the grief at bay and, you know, working as a, an angel healing practitioner, helping other people, but kind of not really attending to my own, what I like to call hardcore grief. So 2015 was the magic moment for me, 10 years that uh, I started to go, you know what, I, I need to uh, start to do something for me now. And that's another journey. We're not talking about that today. We're really talking about feeling these symptoms. And once you understand what you can relate them to, how they're impacting your life, and bring moments in of doing uh, things for yourself that will get you to calm down, calm down. And lots of people say, take a breath, do this count to four in and out and what all, you know, all there's, there's tons of stuff out there to help you get through stress and anxiety and so on. But it's the grief piece that when you don't know, well, what am I really going to do about changing, you know, how I feel about losing my child, losing my spouse, you know, literally having a broken heart, and how many people have you heard, talked to, uh, read about that they say, my heart's broken? Uh, I don't think there's one bereaved parent immediately upon learning about the death of their child at any age, I'd like to add, that doesn't say, 
My heart's broken. My heart shattered. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe it really is. So another uh, thing that I would like to say is that some cities in some countries do test for broken heart syndrome. So you can also check with your doctor in whatever uh, area you're in to see, especially if you're having recurring chest pains, you know, stress, you know, around the heart area and all that, uh, just to see what shape is my heart in? I actually wanted to go in the last few years, I did want to go and literally see if any damage had been done to my heart. But um, there's nothing near uh, the area I live uh, in that would allow me to do that. So because I intend and manifest anything I want, I did have a potential cardiac event last year in 2022 that caused me to go to emergency at the hospital which caused them to uh, run a series of tests with me and allowed me to speak with a cardiologist who reported my heart is fine. And I did want to say, you know, I was a little bit disappointed that it was fine because this is a whole other piece, kind of like, well, if I have a broken heart, that really does prove how much I loved my child who's now gone or in some cases, another loved one who has left us. But you know, that's not really a logical thinking. And there are ways to sort of change your mindset around thinking that our love is better expressed, the more pain and suffering we're in. And I'll share some more work with you on that. But the point was, I am being honest about kind of being a little bit disappointed that my heart hadn't really physically broken, despite what I have suffered um, over the years in terms of really trying to come to grips with my daughter choosing to die by suicide. Here's one to think about. Anyway, uh, there are two points that I want to leave you with in terms of talking about this subject. One, if you are experiencing anything anywhere in the body that you really can't make sense of it, think of it in terms of uh, being related to your grief and your loss. And um, honestly, don't be afraid, embarrassed, shy, uh, or feel silly about uh, going to your doctor and talking to them about it. One of the ways that doctors can learn uh, more about grief is if those of us as grievers share with them what we are going through. And I, my experience has been with a handful of different doctors I have seen and, and some psychologists. They're very curious to learn about what I have been experiencing. Uh, but I was terrified, terrified to share my physical symptoms with doctors. I'm not exactly sure why I was really scared, but I was really scared to um, go to doctors and um, really be vulnerable. Maybe I thought they were going to think I was nuts. I don't know. But they never did. And ultimately, when I tossed being, you know, afraid, I got all the help and support I needed and wanted, which was critical when I did end up on a disability in 2015 for nearly, um, well, for over two years, and ultimately, totally transformed my life. Um, which I also do work on and will share uh, bits and pieces of that with you as time goes on. The second point I want to make is that I'm really happy and grateful for any amount of research that tackles things to do with loss and grief. 
the fact that they are now in the medical and research world talking about emotions linked to uh, loss and grief and real physical symptoms of high blood pressure, uh, potential cardiac events. I think this is great news because it will call uh, potentially for more research, more collaboration between as the researchers are calling for cardiologists and neuroscientists, and maybe other uh, medical professionals will jump in on this research as well, psychiatrists, uh, psychologists, so that we can have a complete package one day of what we struggle with and what we uh, go through after suffering sudden and traumatic and taboo type losses, suicide and child loss, certainly both of them being in that category where the cultural silence around that forces us to isolate or at, at uh, most, we're very, very careful about who we make ourselves vulnerable to in terms of what we are experiencing, feeling and thinking. So any amount of research brings attention to the cause. And while it's not going to necessarily bring a cure, um, as I say, more tools in the toolbox uh, come from helping us identify for ourselves what we think we may have, could have, or really do have. So uh, knowledge is power. Anyway, I really want to thank you for watching or listening to this episode. I'll remind you that if you do want to join my uh, community uh, by email, please click on the link that says journal below. Until next time. <music>